So I have a friend who uh, keeps, keeps me kind of focused on what matters, and I'm grateful for the accountability that that takes place in my life. I, all, I think we all need accountability. And so Rick sent me this, uh, this statement in an article uh, that I came across probably a month and a half ago, and it says this, The primary trick of the enemy is for us to think we're sitting in the dark alone. Contend for the voice. The primary trick of the enemy is for us to think we are sitting in the dark alone, in the wilderness alone. Contend for the voice. And so that got me thinking, what would it look like here at New Cub if we decided this next year we were going to contend for the voice? What would it look like if we contended to hear the voice of God when there are all kinds of voices screaming, yes, even demanding that we listen to and follow this guide or that guide or this thinking, that thinking? What would it look like for us to say, what, what would God's voice look like? What would God's voice sound like? What is God wanting to communicate to me? So I've thought about the whole idea of contending for the voice. We're going to be using Psalm 139 uh, over this next month as we talk about contending for the voice. Um, when I was in high school, uh, I played basketball, and uh, the uh, coach, Cagle, was one who was one who had a very distinctive voice. I don't know why you're laughing. Some things never change. And uh, we had this cracker box gymnasium, and it would seat maybe uh, 800 to 1,200 people. And it was not well made. It was just uh, a tin all the way around and uh, metal sides. And so the noise was incredible. And you could hear, I mean, everybody who's yelling and screaming and wanting, uh, wanting us to do whatever uh, they felt like was needed to happen on the court. But I always heard Coach Cagle's voice, and his favorite line for me was, Johnson, you're supposed to set up the offense, not be the offense. He would say that every time I shot and missed, which was frequent. I was stubborn back then, I'm stubborn now. Still think I'm the offense. And uh, again, I thought... How, how amazing that out of uh, 800, 1,000 people yelling and screaming and hollering, I could hear Coach Cagle's voice out of all those people. Johnson, you're, not supposed to set, you're supposed to set up the offense, not be the offense. I had figured out a way to listen for his voice. In Psalm 139, David is surrounded by contending voices. And just because he was in the wilderness didn't mean he was in the ditch. And many of us today find ourselves uh, in a wilderness, so to speak, and it's not all political wilderness, where that certainly is. There's health wilderness, there's relational wilderness, all kinds of wilderness. So Psalm 39 is an amazing passage. That talk, in fact, what we're going to see, are there are four choices that David makes in the wilderness to keep him out of the ditch. And so I love uh, Cole Huffman's statement says, I may be in the wilderness, but I don't have to be in the ditch. And if we apply Psalm 139, I think we'll be in great shape to contend for the voice of God. So let's look at it. Let me read verses 1 through 6, 
and then we'll jump into some specifics uh, on contending for the voice of God. Oh, Lord, you have examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down. You know when I stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel. You see me when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Lord, you go before me. You follow me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. This is an amazing passage. And let's just kind of look through these verses a little more specifically. Psalm 139, verse 1. Oh, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. In the very beginning, he says, oh, Lord. And the important thing about the, the, uh, the Hebrew word Lord means self-existent or eternal. I am the one who was, who is, and who will always be. You talk about someone who made a decision to look vertically, not horizontally. He lands and says, oh, Lord, the one who's always existed, who will always be the one I can always count upon. You're the one I'm going to look to in the midst of the wilderness. And then he begins to talk about the power of this amazing, self-existent God who is the eternal I am, who's always been, who always will be. He says, you have searched me or you have examined my heart. That word search or the word examine means to explore and to examine thoroughly. It's a medical term. And so it's not one that just hydroplanes over and just takes a quick glance. It is far beyond glance. It's one of looking thoroughly to look underneath and beyond and around and, and so forth. And it says, and notice what he looks at. He says, you have searched, you know, in me inside and out, and you have searched my heart. You know my motives. You know what goes on in me. And then when he says the word know, it means to perceive and see, to distinguish, to know by experience to recognize, to be searched out, to be found, to be examined. You see me, you know me, that God knows us thoroughly. In fact, we'll see later on in a couple weeks that God has, has known us even before we were in our mom's womb, that he had plans for us, that he knows us. He has these huge plans for us. And so he says, oh, Lord, the one who's always been, who's always existed, the eternal I am, you examine me, you explore, you examine my heart, you know everything about me. That is amazing and scary at the same time. The thing that's amazing about it is that the eternal one knows everything about you. The scary thing is he knows everything about you. And the beauty is, and we'll see this in a moment, when you put your hope and trust in Christ, he's pursuing you. He loves you in spite of knowing everything about you. Now that should bring some relief. And this time I say, Merry Christmas in a good way. That you have one who knows you, who sees you, who understands you, and still loves you. And I want you to jot this down. You are seen. You are not in the wilderness alone you are seen by the eternal one who's always been, who always will, will be, the one who loves you, the one who pursues you, the one who loves you in spite of all the ins and outs and the, the attitudes or the poor attitudes we have. We are seen. But he doesn't stop there. Notice verse 2. He keeps talking about this amazing God. You know when I sit down, when I stand up. 
You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel, when I rest. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. He has this staggering understanding of the omniscience of God. And it's staggering to him. He knows everything about him. He says he knows every last detail about you. Nothing escapes God's knowledge about you. You are not in the wilderness alone. Nothing escapes. Nothing catches him off guard. He knows your action. He knows when you sit down, when you stand up. He knows when you take a break, when you don't take a break. He knows everything about you. He, says, he even knows your thoughts. This is incredible. Be ready to be blown away. The average person has 30,000 thoughts a day if you're sleeping seven hours a day. 30,000 thoughts, and God knows those thoughts. Even, even, even when you are asleep, he knows everything about you. And he says, and even knows, uh, knows the words that are going to come out of your mouth before they come out of your mouth. Those of us that don't talk much, um, we, that was a joke. But those who don't talk much, the average uh, number of vocabulary words that come out of your mouth are 12,000 words. Those of us that are a bit more verbose, 24,000 words a day. And God knows those things even before they come out of our mouth, before they come into our heart. God knows what we're going to say. This is amazing. God knows everything. You are not in the wilderness alone. In fact, you are understood. You're not just seen. You're understood. You are not in this alone. You don't have to be in the ditch when wilderness times happen, David was not in a great place in this, in this particular psalm, being hunted down, and yet he's understanding that God sees him and God understands him. Notice verse 5. You go before me, you follow me. This is an amazing uh, turn of words here. It has a military connotation. In fact, he's using military terminology when he says, you go before you follow me. In other words, he's saying, you've encircled me. I'm locked inside of God's protection and, and his awareness. That he has your back. He has your front. He goes before. It means you are never lost. You are never forgotten. God is never confused about you. In fact, Deuteronomy 31 verse 8 says, It is the Lord who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you. He will not forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. He sees you. He understands you. And notice there he says, And he places his hand upon me. This is Again, a, an act of deep love. It's an act of ownership. In fact, Zephaniah 3.17 kind of captures this whole idea. For the Lord your God is living among you. He's a mighty Savior. He will take delight in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. You are loved. In the midst of the wilderness, you're seen, you're understood. And you're loved. So how does David respond to this? And how do you and I respond to an amazing uh, bit of information about God's pursuit of us? That he sees us, he understands us, and he loves us. How do we respond to that? Look at verse 6. I'm overwhelmed. I'm in awe. 
Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too great for me to understand. What he does, he yields to the greatness of God. He yields to the truth. It is so important that we yield to the truth, that we look at truth and allow truth to drive us and to align us. Here's what I would say as a response. You must choose your source, your provider. In times of wilderness, we all choose our source. We all choose our provider. We have to determine who we are going to look to. And David comes to a place of going, instead of looking horizontally for my provision, I'm going to look vertically. I'm going to look to the one who is, who was, who always will be, the eternal I am, the one who sees me, the one who understands me, the one who loves me, the one who has plans to give me a future and a hope, the one who can cause a nation to turn to God. In spite of what we see horizontally, God is not confused. God is not wringing his hands in any wilderness that we're facing. What it is is an opportunity for us to turn our eyes and our hearts toward Jesus. I had the privilege this week of talking uh, to Amber Hudson. Amber Hudson has been a follower of Jesus. She has chosen Jesus to be her provider. And I asked her, I said, you've been a follower of Jesus for some time. Uh, tell me what that looks like on a daily basis. And so I'd like for you to uh, watch this interview. So I'm with Amber Hudson, and Amber has been at New Cup for quite some time. So Amber, how long have you been at New Cup? I have been at New Cup since late high school, early college, so probably 25 plus years. Okay. Uh, how long have you been a follower of Christ? Um, I accepted Christ. I was probably 11 or 12 at a Youth for Christ rally in Kansas City where I grew up. This week, we're talking about contending for the voice of God. What does that look like for you? How do you contend for the voice of God? What does it look like in your life to pursue Jesus? So there's lots of things. I mean, church, hanging out with friends who are going to ask me hard questions and also listen to anything I might be going through, spending time with God in prayer and in the Word and journaling, um, small group Bible studies, book studies, things like that. Um, my schedule is pretty flexible. Time is pretty flexible. Um, so I'm able to do a quiet time every day. Talk about what a little, be a little more specific about what a quiet time is. Um, well, quiet time for me, as, as far as when I first accepted Christ, and I had someone hand me this little devotional. And they're like, something important is just spending time with God every day. And I was like, okay. And that was simply just reading um, something that someone wrote maybe a passage or two or a chapter of scripture and then it had questions and lines for journaling and so I've kind of just stuck with that so quite time for me is spending time in God's word um, spending time kind of sitting quietly and listening to God um, prayer and some journaling so quite time might look different for everybody but that's consistently kind of what it's looked like for myself how do you determine what you're going to read well, a lot of like then, as you know, a older middle schooler, young high schooler, I just continued to do those devotionals. They came free to me in the mail. But then as other adults have invested in me, 
I got involved with um, campus life in high school, um, usually I would just hear about a devotional or something like that, or um, at church, somebody might say something, or the pastor might have said something that, um, so I just did that. Or I simply just picked a book of the Bible and started reading it. Um, for me personally, I stay a little more focused if I have a devotional book, um, so I like that route. Talk about the barriers that you've had to overcome that have gotten in the way of you spending time with God. How have you overcome those? Um, well, I actually wrote these down. So time, just life in general, has been a barrier. Satan has been a barrier, and just his attack on me as a Christ follower in general. To-do lists, once you sit down and you try to be quiet, um, and I would say this is partly Satan as well, just like your mind goes. You think about everything you have to do, um, or you get tired. Falling asleep during my quiet times is very a, a thing. It just happens all the time. So it's that's preparing you for church. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Falling asleep during church. I'm always head bobbing during my. So those have been um, some pretty big barriers. But um, spending time with God is good for me. So I knew all along, and I I believe it's this Holy Spirit who spoke life into me as a you know 11, 12 year old who was just like, this is good for you regardless of if, if you fall asleep, whether you are fumbled in your mind with to-dos, whether you, whatever. And actually, when I sit down to do my quiet times, I always have a sheet of paper and I just write it down. So, you know, honestly, this is my journal. So here's my to-do list. So as things come to mind, I write it down so that I can focus and be present where I'm at and not be so unfocused on all these to-dos and overwhelming stuff. And sometimes if I'm super sleepy, I just set an alarm, close my eyes for 10, 15 minutes, and I get back up, you know, just so I can keep going. Because sure. I know that that time is good for me. What would you recommend to a new follower of Christ and for someone who's seasoned and has been a follower of Christ for some time, if they've kind of gotten out of the habit, how would you urge them to contend for the voice of God? Um, I thought about this a lot over the years and it's just do it. Anything um, that's new and different, you haven't done before, it's gonna be difficult. But regardless of what stage you're in, I feel like just do it. So maybe you start with just praying for a couple things. Um, maybe you start with simply just reading um, scriptures or a devotional. Um, maybe you just start writing some things down that you feel like God's been talking to you about or using the messages. So it doesn't have to look like what my quiet times look like right now. Um, just start small and just do it. And once you get going, I feel like God's going to honor that. That Creating that space is going to become a little bit easier over time. Creating that space will start to feel like something you crave and, and enjoy. And just do it. Great. Nike. Yes, just do it. <laughs> I didn't and... plan that. <laughs> Thanks uh, for investing one in spending time with me uh, and investing in our church. I'm grateful for you and your family. Thank you. Yeah. So A.W. Tozer says this, what we choose to believe about God is the most important thing about us. If you believe in what David said in verse 1, Oh, Lord, one who was, is, will be, the great I am, the one who sees you, the one who 
understands you, the one who loves you, the one who is not limited, that he begins where impossible, where for us, he, <clears throat> our impossible is that where he begins with. When you believe that God, then you may be in the wilderness, but you don't have to be in the ditch. And so we want to contend for the voice of God. We want to contend to say, what does God want to teach me through this? What is he revealing to me through this? So let me close with this and talk about why it's important you choose carefully your provider. And I would challenge you to choose Jesus Christ to be your provider. A couple of things here. Your provider determines your perceptions of reality. Who you look to determines your perceptions of reality. And so we want to be a church that contends for the voice of God, that what we read in Scripture, that that determines our reality. Second, your provider shapes every thought, decision, and action. Third, your provider defines the parameters of what is possible. And you see how important it is that we would choose the great I am, the one who's always been, that in whatever wilderness we are in, that doesn't limit God. Your provider defines who you are and what you can do. Psalm 139, can't wait for us to get further into it. But God has amazing plans for us. And last of all, your provider determines your eternity. That's why every week we say our hope is in Christ and Christ alone. When you come in the doors on the right side, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. That's why every time we get together, we don't say try harder. We say, put your hope and trust in Jesus. Lamentations 3.22 says this, Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed for his compassions and never fail. Here's your provider. Who doesn't want a provider like that? Because of the Lord, the one who was, who is, who always will be. Because of that great love, we're not consumed for his compassions and never fail. They're new every single morning. Great is God's faithfulness to him. I say, the Lord is my portion, or in other words, the Lord is my provider. Therefore, I will wait for him. And so, why would we not put our hope and trust in Christ? So here's how we would like for you to respond. We want you to contend for the voice of God this week. One, possible, you may already be in a Bible study uh, plan. Do it. Just, just do it. Quote Amber. Uh, just stay in it and let God, vo let God's voice speak to you. Uh, if you want Psalm 139, then read through the, the psalm in its, in its entirety every day this week and read, reflect, and respond. Read, reflect, and respond. God will reveal things to you new every time you read through it. Read, reflect, and respond to Psalm 139. You will not be sorry you did that. If you're using the Bible app, then we have an amazing study called uh, Putting an X Through Anxiety. And it's all about dealing with the wilderness that people are in, but 
when you your provider is Jesus Christ, he, he, you, can, you can come through this. If you need help with getting uh, a plan together, we would be honored and it would be a privilege for us to sit down and come up with a plan and uh, customize a plan for you. Just let us know that by responding and saying uh, you'd like to talk about your time alone with God. This is all about contending for the voice of God, and that's what you'll hear is what does God have to say, what does he say about it, and then what am I going to do about it, how am I going to align my life. The song you're going to hear talks about why it is important that we contend for the voice of God. Why is it important that we would want to put our total trust in Jesus Christ? Let me pray for us. Father, I thank you that you are the God who was, who is, and who will always be that you see us, you understand us, you love us. God, may we contend to listen to that voice and not to the voice of others. Father, I pray that we would listen to you this week, that we would reflect upon what you have to say, and that we would align our lives to the, your voice and to